integration, the elephant in the boardroom. Social studies provide clear evidence that more diverse boards are more effective. Organizations that are governed by more diverse boards are less likely to get embroiled in scandals and are financially more successful. The business case is very clear and diversity is increasing. However, diversity and diverse recruitment is all but the start. What counts is the integration of people in the boardroom, people of a different gender, different race, different color, different religion and different background. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at Better Boards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. In this episode, I'm delighted to talk with Jetunde Hoffmann about integration, the elephant in the boardroom. Thank you for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. It's fantastic to have you. Thanks very much, Savina. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So there is so much talk about diversity, and I'm sure our listeners have heard so many things about diversity. There are so many initiatives underway, and as we are moving on, the focus is shifting from diversity to inclusion. Yes. What does inclusion really mean for you? <laughs> Thanks, Sabina. Inclusion for me means that, particularly around the board table, it says that my opinion matters and my contribution counts, that whatever I have to say, my voice is heard, not just because, oh, here's, here's a new member of the board, but you know what, what, you turn there, what you have to say is important, that the experiences and skills I have with me, both professionally and personally, are respected and welcome. You know, inclusion for me, particularly around the board table, also means including the voice of the person who may be impacted by our decisions at the board and yet is not in the boardroom. You see, I'm a woman and I'm black and a person of faith. So it means that after each of my board meetings, as I reflect, I am not feeling that I was disadvantaged in any way. And, you know, I am encouraged, very encouraged with the actions boards are starting to take towards fostering inclusion, diversity, whether it's gender, race, and so on. But you cannot have diversity if at first you don't start with inclusion. And the last point I want to make, Sabine, is that with regards to global boards of organizations, particularly those with an international footprint that have um, locations across the world, inclusion means being able at board to think consequentially. What's the knock-on effect of the decisions we make in the board on those locations and those people who are on the front line, whether it might be parts of Asia or Africa, North America, Latin America, wherever it might be. So our decisions have to be made consequentially. So that's what inclusion means to me. So I think we made really quite some progress on diversity. I think inclusion is still, as we said in the title, the elephant in the room. Mm. When you reflect on your career and on the boards you were sitting, mm. what behaviors of leaders did you personally find helpful? Jenna Savina, it's amazing. It's a great question. As I look through the different boards I've been on, the things that have been most consistent that 
has been very helpful is when the board chair has been accepting. And what do I mean by that? You know, saying, okay, we all are individual. We all are different. We all have different backgrounds. Even if the board may look the same, still they are different. And so you have a board chair who recognizes the individuality of each of the board members. That's the first thing. And so the acceptance for me is absolutely critical. The second thing is the consistency and integrity. What I mean by that is that when decisions are made around the board or there's conversations, when we agree that something is confidential or we're going to go to the investor roadshow or, or, or send a communication out to stakeholders, that it's consistent that a decision that's made in the boardroom is not then unmade or undone outside of the boardroom by one net speaking to the CEO or to the chair separately. So that's the second thing, consistency and integrity. And the third one is the understanding of their responsibility. So what's the role of the board? What's the role of the chair? What's the role of the net? The leadership at the table, particularly from the CEO who sits on the board, of course, as well, that understands that he or she has a responsibility, Sabina, that goes beyond the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And the bigger the organization, in fact, actually, no, it doesn't matter because I sit on different sizes of organization and I have colleagues who sit on different sizes. It's not about size. It's about the purposeful leadership of the CEO who sits on the board, that their responsibility goes beyond the bottom line. And therefore, from a chair's perspective, that he or she also understands that they're shepherding and leading a board that have a responsibility that goes beyond the short term. It's not just about a return on shareholders' investment. Of course, it's about that but it's much, much more. So those are the three things that I have found really helpful because when you have those behaviors, it permeates the quality of the conversation and the discussions that you have on the board. Let's zoom in on that a little bit more. So there is now a board meeting going on. What specifically can chairman do and can net colleagues do that you as a woman of color really feel integrated in this setting? You know, I think the first thing it's about preparation, Serena. It's, it's so important. I, I call it the head stuff. And it doesn't matter your race or your color or so on. And I also have a sense of responsibility because within the black community, I may be seen as a role model. So there's the preparation. Now you've got the job, you've got to prepare read up again. I immediately set myself Google alerts on the organization, every aspect, try and read the annual reports and accounts, ensure that I have a thorough induction to understand how the company really works and how decisions are made. And in fact, a great CEO is somebody who would be uh, willing for you and encouraging of you to spend time in his or her organization read the strategy documents, past and present. That's what I call the head stuff. But that that, is what you are doing. I'm more interested in what the others can do that you feel integrated. Ah, I see what you mean. Well, first of all, there's something about discussing the value of difference before I even join the board. Mm -hmm. Any board that's going to go out to bring a person of color or different to them, they've got to first understand why they're doing it. What's the value of difference? 
If you look at the Parker Review of 2020, it indicated that only 37%, Sabina, only 37% of the FTSE 100 boards have no black representation. And then if you go further down the FTSE, almost 70% of FTSE, mm-hmm. of FTSE 250, have no black representation. Yeah. And only 8% if that of the FTSE 350. So I think what boards looking to integrate people of color onto their boards, first of all, they've got to have a conversation before they even go to search around the value of difference. And there's got to be an honesty around that because everybody's human. So each of those board members and the chair and the CEO who are pivotal in making these decisions have got to address their own biases. They've got to look in the mirror and say, what are my own biases and deal with them honestly. Once you've done that, then there is what you do regarding the onboarding. And the onboarding, like any good onboarding process, you've got to ask somebody like me, what would help you integrate the fastest? And you've got to remember that everybody's inherently individual. So be willing to discuss the elephant in the room. You know, what will help you integrate? You know, we all talk the same way. What's our language? How can we be proactive in ensuring that your contribution is heard? And the third thing is never assume that a person of color is a subject matter expert on race. So therefore, it's about the individual asking them what will have you, Yitzinde, have you, Akoswa, whoever it might be, integrate. And then once the person is in, there's got to be a good standard of inclusive behavior. It's about listening. A great chair would always go around the table to invite contribution, to notice when a Ned isn't speaking, when they are. Listen. And then, of course, demonstrate that the contribution counts. Maybe in the beginning, over-exaggerate. And I know people might say, well, you don't want to, I don't want to pretend, I don't want to give special treatment. Well, actually, sometimes you might need to go the extra mile to ensure that somebody who's different, who feels different and looks different and sounds different, is integrated effectively on the board so that they can bring all the capabilities. Absolutely that they have to the board performance table. So some boards have good induction programs. Others are still thinking about having an induction program. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. What do you think, how should a good induction program really look like? A great induction program is a great induction program, regardless of the nature of the person that's joining. So, I mean, I think I was saying earlier about all the preparation, first of all, that's briefed with the candidate. And this is how I would look at it, all that preparation. But then as you come into the organization, it's the one-to-one conversations that are had even before the first board meeting with Mm -hmm. the CEO, with the chair, with the CFO and the CHRO. And particularly if if you're going to be, because I sit on the audit, the remuneration and nomination committees of some of my boards, and the conversation with the CFO and the chair of audit is one that really helps you understand the knots and bolts, the infrastructure of the organization. And I would say to anybody, particularly you're coming onto a board for the first time, an audit committee, sit on that committee as a member. Of course, you have to be a finance director to chair one, but to sit on it, to understand the risks of the organization, how the organization lives and breathes. That's the first thing. And then it's also great to spend some time if the board and the chair and the CEO are willing, you know, 
go on a couple of investor roadshows, dial in onto the stakeholder engagement meetings that, they, that take place. That's the second thing. And thirdly, walk the floor of the organization. Mm. That's part of the induction. Because you, you, get to get, you get to feel of the talent, of the culture. Of course, the annual report, which naturally is a given you'll read, the annual report will be full of information on culture and what they're doing on diversity, gender equality, et cetera, et cetera. But when you walk the, the organization, visit a couple of sites, and if possible, depending on the planning cycle and with the permission of the CEO, of course, maybe attend one of the review meetings as an observer and ask questions. Never be too proud to ask questions and to listen and be respectful because that demonstrates trust when the CEO says, of course, you can attend some of our review meetings. So that way you get a great sense of the organization that when you get to board, you're asking the right questions. The CEO, the chair, the rest of your colleagues around the board appreciate the value that you're bringing. Oh, fantastic. These are some great tips for elements that should really be in an induction program. Mm. You talked about the value someone can bring to the table who is different. What is the value for organizations? Why should they do this? <laughs> Well, you know, we, we have all the McKinsey, all the big consultancies have written fantastic papers and documents on the value of difference and diversity. And yes, I think there is a lot to be said for a board that has different capabilities on their board. And difference comes through different outlooks. You know, if you look at it, if you take a board like a house, you want people who are sitting upstairs, but it's still looking out of different windows. One window might be looking at fields. One window might be looking at the sky, but it's still the same house. And those different perspectives make for a very rich conversation. And increasingly, the world is becoming a global village. So when you have a board of people that have different cultural experiences, whether it's because of the nature of the businesses they've grown their careers in or the nature of their backgrounds and their outlooks, their race and what they've seen, that allows richness and depth. A question asked here might be one that's never even been imagined to be asked mm -hmm. on the other side. And that's what helps. And increasingly, organizations are beginning to see that if we're going to understand our consumers, And consumers themselves are getting diverse. They're all over the world. They want things now, yesterday. The more your board is realistic and gets a sense and comes together with a mindset of consumer, a mindset of client, a mindset of customer, the more powerful that board can be. So difference is so awesome. I mean, on some of the boards I sit on, we have a look at the, we do a skills gap matrix, with skills gap analysis. And we say, oh, my goodness, could we have, who else do we need on our board? What kind of capabilities do we need? And we might say, well, we need somebody who's had an experience of large-scale change and transformation, operating model, combined with maybe embedding digital. I mean, that's, that's the value of difference. And I would encourage boards out there, particularly boards who are stable, if you want to bring difference, you can actually proactively play that role. 
One role, it might could take on the role of one that's more encouraging and high supporting. Another might could play a role of challenging and, and really picking holes in that proposal or in that strategy document or in that initiative or that CAPEX proposal. And another one can look at monitoring. It's important, of course, to have people who look and sound different because that facilitates difference. But in the short term, you can also proactively choose to have different lenses around the table for the good of the organization, the stakeholders, and the communities that your organization serves. Fantastic. I love the analogy, Visa House. It's a wonderful picture. So what should our listeners take away from this podcast? Ah, what should they take? Well, I think with every situation, if you want to look at The first thing I think the listeners should be taking away, is there an elephant in your boardroom? <laughs> That's the first thing. Is there an elephant? Is there, is there more that we could be doing around the notion of inclusion, even as we are today? Do we really, does everybody around this table feel that they can be open and they can share their perspective without the fear of being seen to be rocking the boat? That's the first thing. Because all it to do your role good. Then the second is to say, well, if we were to really get creative, innovative, depending on where you are as a board, are you in a turnaround situation? Are you in high growth? Are you looking at M&A possibilities? Are you looking at expansion into a white spot market, et cetera? What you're, you're looking at your operating model, whatever it might be. Then to ask who should be in the room when we're making some critical decisions. And a board that serves is one that would say, we may not have all of the right people in the room. And therefore, for this particular decision process, we might need to get X, Y, and Z from this part of the organization to come into the room mm. and give them an equal place at the table during this discussion. That's the second thing. And then thirdly, of course, according to governance and what the government is saying, then you have a look as you're coming to the tenure of your board directors. Could this be an opportunity to proactively go out and hire somebody of color, of a different gender, of a different orientation, whatever it might be? Do we do this proactively? And for what reason and for what purpose? In such a way that should they come in? They know that they've been hired for the value and the skills and the capabilities and the contribution they're going to be making to our success. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for contributing and speaking so openly about the challenges of integration on the Better Boards podcast series. You're very welcome, Sabina. It's, it's been so enjoyable. Thank you. <laughs> If you would like to hear more about our research, our approach to internal and external board evaluations and board development programs, contact us. We at Better Boards are delighted to hear from you. You can best reach us on info at better-boards.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>